this morning and enjoyed what we've already heard today. And I want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, I did forget to get a haircut before I come to meeting, and I apologize for that, preacher. Amen? Uh, I'm just thinking. Amen? Uh, I was thinking while Brother Lamar was preaching, and what a tremendous message it was, but um, we can get so busy for him that we forget to be busy with him. And that is a danger in my life, is get to doing so much that, that you, uh, you just forget to be with him. Amen? And then I also, on the other end of that, Brother Lamar, and this was just things God was convicting my heart with, uh, when I'm not busy for him, that's when I get critical of everybody else. Uh, that's, that's when I want to make all the, the Facebook posts about what everybody else is doing wrong. Amen? So uh, you pray for me. That was a blessing, Brother Lamar, and I thank God for the message. I thank God for our church. Amen? And our pastor, and I bless the Lord for allowing us to be here this week. Let's go to John chapter number 11. Excited about this. I wanted to been working on a message out of John 4, and uh, two days ago, me and Brother Samuel were riding down to go see his grandfather, and you all pray for his grandfather, um, uh, Grandpa Kayim. He is a uh, 1948 war hero uh, there in Israel, uh, very decorated and well-known man, and uh, he is on his deathbed. They had to call, was it Sunday they called hospice him, Brother Samuel? And they had to call hospice in on him. He's got dementia, and he's in the final stages of all of that, and his body's shutting down. And he's a lost man. And uh, I believe God could give him a cognitive ability and wake him up and allow him to believe the gospel. And he's rejected it a bunch. And I know we don't deserve second, third, fourth, hundredth chances. But God gave me another chance. God gave you another chance. And we're praying that God will give Grandpa Kyle another opportunity uh, to believe the gospel. So, uh, But we were, we were traveling, and I was giving Brother Samuel my thoughts out of John 4. And I got to hear that message he preached the other night twice. He preached it to me going down the road. And then, uh, the, and then I, I was telling about some stuff in John 11. This is where God's laid my heart uh, this morning. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. Uh, John 11 is a very lengthy chapter. Uh, you know that Jesus had went on a, a trip and uh, Lazarus had fell sick. They sent for him. He tarried. Uh, and, and almost, you've heard the song uh, when he's... Uh, four days late, he's right on time, all those things. And he, he comes uh, eventually after Lazarus is dead. He tells his disciples that he's asleep and, uh, and it's for the glory of God and all these things. And we're going to pick up reading in verse number 32 of John 11. The Bible says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with, uh, with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And Jesus said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then this one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them uh, said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, say, uh, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the, the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God. I thank you, dear God, for the preaching we've already heard. Thank you for the opportunity to preach this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be concise where we need to be concise. Help us to expound where we need to expound. Lord, preach this message that you preach to our heart, to these people. Lord, help us to be here, not only hearers, but doers also. Fill and use us today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Uh, Brother Baloo made a statement years ago that once you see missions in the Bible, you can't help but see missions in the Bible. And uh, I don't want it to just be missions. I want this to be about witnessing this morning. And because uh, a missions conference really is a witnessing conference. That's, that's what missions is. Brother Matt Stallman, our friend, he said this. is Everybody's called to be a missionary. You just got to figure out the distance. Amen. Sometimes it's across the street. And that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. Witnessing and being a Christian witness. And sometimes it's going to be across the states. God may send you to another place like New Hampshire. Or uh, uh, other places around this country or God may send you across the seas and that's between you and the Lord you got to figure out that geographical location where you to be a witness but this morning as I, I look at this text I see the gospel in the graveyard amen we see that this graveyard can be a mission field it can be a place to go and witness so I want to look at a few things about this getting the gospel to the graveyard the first thing we notice is there's praying for getting this gospel to the graveyard in verse number three they they send a messenger uh, to Lazarus, or, or, on behalf of Lazarus, it says, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And I think a lot of times we wait till people get to the, uh, to the end of the road before we start praying for them. And Brother Lamar, we see a principle right here that before they're too far gone, we ought to be praying for them. We ought to be sending for Jesus. We see again in verse number 19 through 27, we see that there's more prayer going on. Martha is going Martha is beseeching Jesus and it, it, we begin to see a trend in verse 21. It says, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Again in verse 32, Mary says the same thing. If thou hast been here, thou would have not died. In verse 37, the, the people as a whole begin to criticize, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even uh, this man should not have died. And years ago, I was looking at these verses in context of prayer and Brother Lamar, I became very critical of Mary and Martha and these people, but isn't that like us? They had enough faith to go get Jesus. They knew there was nobody else that could help their situation. Hey, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a positive thing in praying for the gospel to get to the graveyard. But Brother Sam, in their, their faith, it was weak. It was lacking. They didn't know exactly what to pray. They just knew that Jesus was the only one that could help their situation. They even prayed some of the wrong things. Amen. 
Amen. How many of y'all have ever been guilty of probably playing the wrong things? But here's the thing. We may, I may not have much sense, but I do know this, that the only person that can help my lost loved ones, the only person that can pull down the strongholds in North Korea and Iraq and Iran and Gaza and Israel and in our next door neighbor's house is Jesus. Amen. I may not know what to pray, but I'm glad that the Spirit of God that lives within me, He knows what we ought to pray according to Romans 8.26 and He helps us to know what to pray. So we see there's praying. Uh, my wife, a few years ago, y'all know, many of y'all know this story, but I'll be honest, two weeks prior to us getting the call from her mother about getting saved, Brother Lamar, I, we had had conversations two weeks prior saying stuff like, I just don't know if she's ever going to get saved. Is this ever going to happen? My wife at the time, she had been at the, in church for 17 years. And Brother David, we didn't think she would ever get saved. Y'all ever felt like that? Hey, but I'm glad just a couple of weeks later when we didn't think it was going to happen, that's when her mama called and said, hey, could you talk to me about being saved? And guess what? She got saved. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, prayer is just as important part of the Great Commission. It's not all we should do, but it is the first thing we should do. Amen? Hey, I can't necessarily go preach the gospel openly in North Korea today. I can't go to Iraq and just openly preach the gospel. They would probably cut my head off or put me in prison. Hey, but today there is no uh, governmental barrier that can keep the gospel uh, from going in, in view of prayer. Amen? Hey, prayer is the key to this. Amen. So before they ever get to the graveyard, there is prayer. And God, may God help our unbelief. It ought to give you courage and, 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 and help this morning that even if we pray the wrong thing sometimes, God's already moving in our situation. Before they knew what to pray, before their faith was really increased, Brother Danny, uh, Jesus is already moving in on their situation. Jesus already had a plan. Jesus was already moving on in on the impossible to be done. So we see the praying for this gospel in the graveyard. But number two, we see the place of this gospel in the graveyard. Uh, in this, bar- in this, this graveyard, everybody's on a level playing field, aren't they? There's no, uh, I mean, you might have a pretty nice tombstone, but you're rotten under the ground just like everybody else. Um, amen. Now, I'll say this. She, she made the statement, he, he, yet st- he, he, he already stinks, right? And there's some sinners that have been dead longer than other sinners, and their decay is more prevalent. But dead is dead. All sinners need the gospel. Hey, do you know of any graveyards around here? I, I, I'm being, and I'm being, I'm being typology speaking. Do you know of any places that need the gospel around here? Hey, I'll tell you, our church is so faithful about going door to door. And I, 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 the testimony is known around the country. I try to tell it. People tell me all the time. I was with somebody uh, recently and they, in a morning service. And they were telling me and Brother Samuel how door knocking will not work anymore. And how they've absolutely quit it. And I told them, I'm probably, y'all pray for me, I, I lack filter, okay? <laughs> I know y'all were surprised, but I lack filter. But me patting him on the back and saying, oh, it's okay, brother, it ain't going to do any good. So very respectfully, this man's old enough to be my dad, very respectfully, I said, well, brother, uh, the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons are still going door to door. And I said, if it didn't work, they wouldn't be doing it. 
Then he began to complain about a mosque that was in their backyard. And he told me that the, the, there's a mosque back there. And sure enough, I went in their backyard that day and played basketball with some boys. I know I'm not a good basketball player, but it's not about how good you are. It's just about making contact, okay? As in cowboy boots, don't do that, all right? But I look in the backyard of this church in the middle of nowhere, and there's hijabs coming in and out of this building. Brother, brother, brother Nathan's been there. That same night, Brother Samuel and I dropped in on a church planner that's only been in his town since April, started from scratch. Am I telling it right, Brother Samuel? They go door knocking almost every other day of the week, and they've not had less than 50 people. They've not had less than 50 people in a single service. Told us they have to have a baptismal service every month, Brother Lamar, because they're busy in the graveyard. Y'all ever been into a graveyard, a real one? I, it's kind of weird. I don't like hanging out in them. But there's Star Davids on tombstones. And there's crosses on tombstones. There's baby tombstones. There's adult tombstones. There's beloved father tombstones and dear mother tombstones. Some of that's just lies, but you understand. There's a lot of date in between the, in the, between the years, and there's short dates in between the years. The graveyard is no respecter of person. And that lets us know who all needs the gospel. I'll never forget this. I was in Bible college in Augusta, and I was working for a lawn care service, and I, one of their clients was the synagogue. It's one of the oldest synagogues in the southeast. And Brother Brian, uh, the synagogue had a grave area in the cemetery district, which is huge. I'm talking about acres of graves. you got to think some of these graves go back to the 1700s. And Brother Danny, uh, the, the, we would cut the synagogue's grass one day or one week, and the next week we'd go to the graveyard district and cut the grass there. And I'll never forget about the second time we were cutting the grass at the graveyard after I started work there. I was weed-eating around some tombstones, and I started seeing all those Star Davids. And as far as I could see this way, that way, and this way, there was a brick wall behind us, was Jewish graves. And it dawned on me, Brother Sam, if all of those people died believing Judaism, that they're in hell today. See, physically, once they're in the graveyard, there's nothing we can do for them. But spiritually, and you have to quicken who were dead. Today, our lost loved ones, our lost family members, they're in a spiritual graveyard. There are dead men and women walking, but while they're alive physically, there is still hope. Amen. So we see the praying for the gospel in this graveyard. We see the place of the gospel in this graveyard. They're all on equal ground. But then we see the power in this gospel in the graveyard. In verses 43 and 44, Jesus shows up. Jesus has the power to do what needs to be done. He calls him. His word works. Did I, did, I think Brother Terry said a thing or two about it last night. But his word really does work. And then we see that he saves him. He calls him out. It takes Jesus in the saving of sinners. I love 1 Corinthians 1. It says that it tells about how the gospel is, is foolishness. Amen. It's a foolishness to the Greek. And it's a stumbling block to the Jew. And the last time I checked, the Jew and the Gentile are the only two groups we're going after. That pretty well sums it all up. But hear me out this, this morning. The Jew, it's, it's a stumbling block to the Jew. It's foolishness to the Gentile. So everybody that we are to reach is offended by the gospel. 
It's the most offensive thing that's ever been said. I remember going up back home, preacher, pastors would make statements like this. Well, I'm going to preach the gospel on Sunday morning because that's when we'll have the most visitors and I don't want to offend anybody. Now, we're not to be offensive in our spirit, but we should be offensive in the message of the gospel. It is designed to offend that's what draws people that they cannot do anything to save themselves. They cannot do anything to redeem themselves. That's what the gospel, the law, and the gospel work together to bring sinners to Christ. But here's the thing in 1 Corinthians 1, the reason it's so beautiful that this is the most offensive message that's ever been given to men is that it takes God calling that sinner. John 6, 44 No man cometh unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. It takes the drawing of the Spirit of God to draw people to want the gospel. And when it's the most offensive message that's ever been preached and it takes the Spirit to call, it takes the Word of God being preached, then we don't get any of the credit. That's why it's so wonderful. We, even if people do get saved, we don't get any credit for it. It's Jesus. There is the power. I, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the power of God. We saw uh, last year at the tent meeting in Indianapolis. We, we had this young black couple come. They came in late. And of course we were there just in the worst part of town. They came in late. And Brother Lamar, they, they left early. I thought, well, we, they didn't look very happy. Let's just say that. I said, we probably won't see them again. Well, they came the next night. And I thought, well, here, this is good. And Brother Green, all of a sudden in the altar call, the man comes down to the altar. And then we have pastor and their wives on each side of the altar. If a man comes down, we have a man deal with them. If a woman comes down, we have a woman get deal with them. Can I get an amen? You don't ever know what you're dealing with in that situation. And Brother Bobby, uh, uh, one of the pastors goes forward to deal with this man. And the, the man said, no, I need to speak with a woman. I'm a woman. Her name was Laquina. She, was, she had already started this transition and stuff and the medicines and all this. And she told that pastor's wife that she was miserable and that she couldn't take it anymore. And, the, and she got born again that night. Two days later, she moved out from that relationship. Can I get an amen right there? Hey, and you say, preacher, you didn't know I didn't do that. See, the message I'm preaching is offensive, especially to this modern culture. Everything we were preaching is offensive to what that woman was in. Hey, but I'm glad when the Holy Ghost of God, when the power of God moves, hey, it, over, it supersedes the offense and it draws people to the love of God. Amen. There's the responsibility of God in saving sinners. We cannot do it. So we see the power in this gospel to the graveyard. But I have to get to this. Number four, there is the partnership in this gospel to the graveyard. You'll find these points in verse 39, 41, and 44. I'm trying to be quick. I want to get out of the way for Brother Sasser. But I, let me ask you all this. Okay, so in verse number 39, we see, he says, makes the command, take you the stone away. Right? Now, Brother Gravely, Jesus is God. Can I get a good amen right there? Jesus is God. 
He is literally about to tell a man to get up from the grave. You know why he already stank? Because decomposition had started. There is scientific and medical uh, things against this miracle ever happening. Brother Green, Jesus is about to tell this man to get up out of the grave. He wasn't asleep. He stank. Okay? This is a miracle. Jesus is God. But he looks over and he says, Hey, Sam, Noah, y'all go roll that stone away for me. Come on now. In the words of our great president, come on now. Come on, man. He could have done it. Jesus could have said stone. If he can tell a man to get up from the grave, he can say stone, roll away. But he didn't. You know why? Because he wants to call a man like Brian Williams to print Bibles to roll the stone away. Amen. He wants to call a man like Noah Grudger to go into New Hampshire. And can Noah save anybody? No. But could God do the whole thing by himself? Yes. But he wants to use human instrumentality to roll the stone away. You know what God's been doing in Rossville, Georgia for the last, is it 60 something years now? Am I, am I right? I went, I went to public school. Y'all pray for me. I can't do math. Amen. I also went to private school and Christian, all those schools. But y'all pray for me. 62 years, God has been using this church to roll stones away. We can't save anybody. It takes the responsibility of God, the power of God in the lives of sinners to save them. And God could do it by Himself. But aren't you glad that He doesn't need us this morning, but He sure does want us this morning. Brother Matthew, He wants to include us. He wants to incorporate us. He wants to use human instrumentality. He could walk in the graveyard and do all the work by Himself. But no, Brother Bobby, he lets us go up and down the road, rolling stones away. Amen. Hallelujah to God. I don't deserve this this morning. Hey, I don't deserve to get to preach. I don't deserve to get to witness. I don't deserve our to be in the graveyard this morning. Oh, but I'm glad even though he can do it all by himself, he lets me have a part, just a small part. Every once in a while, I roll some stones away. Amen. Hallelujah to God. I see, I've got a little, I got past my outline. Y'all pray for me. Verse 41, then they took away the stone from this place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. You know what Jesus says here. I'm going to skip down to verse 44. I love this. There is human responsibility in praying. Did Jesus already plan to go and do this? If you read the beginning of this chapter... Jesus stayed away so it would happen, so he could do it. He's moving before we ever pray. He just wants us to be included in on it. Amen. Brother Samuel talked about Esther the other night. God could have done what he did without Esther, but he included Esther. God, so there's responsibility in prayer for us. There's responsibility in evangelism, rolling the stone away. There's a lot of stones out there, y'all. There's a stone of of self-righteousness. There's a stone of water baptism for salvation. 
There's a stone of, of, of self-sanctification. There's a stone of Islam. And there's the stone of, of, of Buddhism and Judaism. And there's stones all over the place. It's our job to figure out, by the help of God, how to roll those stones away. And let the word of God get to those dead people in the graveyard. But look at verse 44. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now wait a minute. Jesus just, healed, just raised this man from the grave. He already could have said, Hey, stone, get out of the way. Couldn't he? But Brother Josh, then he could have easily said, Grave clothes, come off this man. It's easy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. He just raised a man from the dead. He could get some grave clothes off this man. But instead, he uses human instrumentality. He incorporates people that have been alive longer than Lazarus to come alongside and help him to get the remnants of the graveyard off of him. If rolling the stone away is a picture of evangelism, then getting the grave clothes off is a picture of discipleship. We are to pray for the graveyard. We are to go to the graveyard. We are to roll stones away in the graveyard. We are to get the word of God to the graveyard. But when they do come forth out of the grave, when God does his side of this thing, it is our job to come alongside of them and graciously help them get the grave clothes off. The evangelism and the discipleship method here is in the text. And God, it's not just going to happen by accident. God wants to use us. The last thing, there's the product of getting the gospel to the graveyard. Verse 43 for 46. Let's focus in on verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Because of what Jesus did in the graveyard and this man getting up, naturally other people believed who Jesus was. And when, is it not a ripple effect? Some of y'all have been here long enough to remember when Brother George Hartman got saved and how the church was faithful to go every year for all those years. And Brother George came in and got saved. And then it seemed like every service for the longest, he had people coming and getting saved and people coming and getting saved. It is a ripple effect. And when we go and reach those people that are in the graveyard, that's exactly what happens. There's a ripple effect. They're going to influence others who are dead. I like in verse 9 of chapter 12. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. The life of a man who was dead drew people to Jesus. That is the product of evangelism and discipleship that when we go to the graveyard and we roll the stone away, they may never mention the man. The names of the men who rolled the stone away, the names of the men who helped get the grave clothes off are never mentioned in this text. But the man they got out of the graveyard gets to go on and replicate what they did in his life. And that is the Great Commission getting completed. Us going, teaching them to teach them to teach them. I want to ask you this morning, where, where is your graveyard? Maybe God's got a specific place he wants you to go. But, but if your graveyard is Rossville, Georgia, Fort Oglethorpe, Ringgold, Chattanooga, get busy rolling stones away. 
If you don't know the answer, to, if you get stumped, and I found this out, preacher, the best thing that's ever happened to me and Brother Samuel on the street is for somebody to aha us and us not have an answer. Can I just be honest? For, my, for, for me to fall on my face witnessing has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. You know why? Because it makes me get in this book. It makes me realize I don't have every answer up here, but I have every answer right here. And it helps me to get, get humbled and to get into the book and find out how to roll that stone away. And the only way that happens is if you go witness. You have to fall on your face. We're so scared, Brother Sasser, of falling on our face. In Jew Jewish evangelism, I don't know everything you know. I can't get my Hebrew out and, and combat with those people. But the best thing that's ever happened is for me to get burnt, get my hide burnt, because it makes me go find answers. And the answers are here. They're out there. Get to rolling stones away. Amen. Help, help somebody today take some grave clothes off, and let's go forward in replicating the graveyard. Amen. Preacher, you can.